All right, John, we're coming in hot. No less than five seconds after the regular pod is over. We are just no conversation. No, not anything. even a nanosecond. <laughs> That's right. Kabooey. Yeah, no, my thought process on this, um, I'll just jump into it because I know you and I are pressing up on some time here. Um, you know, Justin, it, I, I hate that we always have to caveat everything we say and throw asterisks on there. Sure. Uh, and, you know, I don't mind doing it uh, if it's beneficial. But I know it people- can be weary. Mm, it does. It gets weary. I, I get tired of being called an antinomian at times because I'm just I could, like- I could personally talk here in just a minute about the things that I get tired of. Mm-hmm. But um, listen, I know that it can sound like, John, you're just going to let the abusive people take over the world oh, and you're not going to stand up for righteousness. Listen, Justin, I think this is where our theology has to play out practically. You and I believe in two very important doctrines. We've already done one podcast on, on theonomy. You can go listen to that. And maybe we should do something on passivism. It could be helpful, I think. So we'll just do an introduction to it here. But Justin, you and I believe in the natural law. And this is important sure. that God has placed his moral compass in the hearts of men. And they know what is right and wrong. They know that it's wrong to kill. They know that it's wrong to steal. They know that it's wrong to lie. And then God, on top of that, has two systems that govern this world. Well, I should say two systems that work in this world. One is for governing. He gives governments the sword based upon the natural law to suppress evil so that the church does its job, which is not advancing the sword physically, but the sword spiritually. And we're going in and dividing the hearts of men and opening their eyes. Mm -hmm. When the church picks up the sword, which it's done in the past, now we got a mess. Mm -hmm. So I am not a pacifist. I think God is using humans and including Christian police mm-hmm. officers and military. Mm-hmm. And I think there's nothing wrong with supporting and encouraging that when it's doing it right. You know, there are countries who've done it wrong and that gets real complicated. But even Paul, you see Paul submitting and, and writing, both Paul and Peter, submit to your governing authorities, right? Because let them do their job because you have a job that is separate from that. So I'm not a pacifist. Um, I think if someone's coming in to try to hurt my family and well, they're doing it in such a way that I think I have the right to stand up to try to protect them. Yep. Now, if there's someone coming in saying you're preaching the gospel and we think you're wrong for preaching the gospel and we're going to throw you in prison, eh, that's a complicated situation. I don't think I'm going to defend myself that way. Right. No, I mean, so yeah, we uphold natural law, as you said. We uphold the moral law. But we, you know, we uphold the Noahic covenant, right? Where that, yeah, exactly. it's very clear that yeah. common kingdom of the world, God has established order and in particular, proportionate retributive justice is appropriate mm-hmm. in this world that God has made. So that goes without saying, we absolutely would affirm government as ordained by God to wield the power of the sword according to natural law right. and, and the moral law in that regard. Uh, we think that's a good thing. And then in addition, I'll just go ahead and say this, you know, if we're talking about pacifism, I don't know how to have this conversation without also, I'll speak for myself. I know I'm confident you agree. I would uphold what's been referred to and known historically as just war theory, which basically states that sometimes in a fallen world, even military conflict war is justified in order to prevent greater evil and greater oppression from occurring. And so that's unfortunate. Which is not done by the church, by the way. No. But the church can participate. No, no, no. no, Oh, sure. I mean, the church does not... Church members do not. Members of the church absolutely can 
participate in military conflict, can serve in military. And you see this in the New Testament, 100%, right? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, no, we're not pacifists. And I don't understand that the Lord Jesus was either. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no, nor I do I understand the scriptures. Carry a sword. <laughs> yeah, nor do I understand the apostles to have been, nor do I understand the, the biblical witness wholesale to right. prescribe pacifism in every scenario. Uh, it no. is clear, like you said, that when it comes to persecution and the harm, I'm using it, it that word, like in the historical yeah. sense, like real harm, not like yeah. I got my feelings hurt, but yeah, like yeah, yeah. real Stephen, harm. Stephen getting to my hard. To my life, liberty, and property. That's right. And to my loved ones. Like when, when real harm is encountered for the sake of Christ, when we encounter hatred on account of him, these are things that we're told will happen. That's uncomfortable to say. It's uncomfortable to acknowledge it. But I don't think we would then be called to justify ourselves and to hurt other people no. because we are being harmed for Christ's sake. I think mm-hmm. we would then pray for the Lord's sustaining grace and for his comfort, and we would pray that we would be enabled by his grace and power to say we counted a privilege to suffer for the sake of the name. That's, right. That's the approach and the posture that we would aspire to take, and we trust the Lord would give us grace in order to take that posture. Yep. Yeah. I will uh, mention this now. Um, we'll put it in the notes. But for those of you that are part of Theocast, you, well, if you're listening to this, uh, yeah, I guess you have to be a builder and above. Um, Theocast, you, I did an entire lecture on the church and government. Uh, it's about an hour and a half long with notes. Uh, you can go look that up. Just go to Theocast, you look for one that says church and government. In there, I explain a very important doctrine. You just did, uh, what was it you said? Um, just War Theory. Just War Theory. I explained something a little bit different, but similar. It's called the Lesser Magistrate. And this is taught by the Reformers. <clears throat> where Because some people will say, okay, John, I hear what you're saying, but the government we live in is evil. Sure. So do we just submit to an evil government? Well, <laughs> I, there is no such thing as a righteous government. No. So let's just be, let's just be frank. Justin, do you know of a righteous government ever existed in the history of humanity? I mean, some are worse than others, but no. Right. So, but there are times where tyranny sets in. Yeah. And I'm not going to explain what the lesser government is here or the lesser magistrate uh, in full form, but there are times where Christians can, we should always submit to our government. Always. Mm -hmm. That's according to scripture, even if they're tyrannical. But there are times where the lesser magistrate sees the tyranny of the magistrate and then seeks to right the wrong. And I do believe Christians can participate in that because they're still participating underneath the governing powers that might be. So they're not becoming rogue and taking it into their own hands. Because um, this, this is basically how the United States got started. It was a lesser magistrate fight. Sure. And um, so people, some people say, you know, were the Puritans uh, in sin? Some would argue yes, some would argue no. And where the reformers went a lot of this in the Puritans, they used the lesser magistrate. So we're not, I'm not a pacifist at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that everything that we have just said fits in line with a two kingdom theology. And this is why we're not radical 2K. Uh, we are very no, much and involved. Justin and I vote. Well, and <laughs> we do. I, I know this is, and this is related, and this just needs to keep being said. There is a distinction that has to be drawn between the mission of the institutional church and social and societal and political involvement by members of the church. That's right. And military involvement. I mean, the whole thing. The church does not engage itself as an institution in military conflict. 
The church does not engage itself as an institution in political endeavors. The church does not engage itself as an institution in societal pursuits. But the members that comprise said churches involve themselves and should involve themselves in all of the above, right? Mm -hmm. And I think if we can keep those things separate in our brains, that's helpful. And we keep the mission of the church pure. We've spent a lot of airtime talking about those things, even in recent weeks, and we just entrust those conversations to you. Yeah, I, but, I just got to add one more thought to that, yeah. Justin. The reason why we can't let this go is because we passionately believe that uh, the mission of the church is getting usurped. You know, it's like the power of you the and gospel. I do. Yeah, yeah, totally. yes, yeah. we believe that. With the power of the gospel, uh, it God could have chosen angels. Sure. A voice from heaven. Sure. Carvings in rocks. He could have chose a lot of things. He chose well, wretched sinners uh, to yeah, pr- and pr- he, spread the gospel. He could have, Jesus could have, with his first coming, he could have established an earthly kingdom yeah. that did advance the gospel in different ways. Yep. You know, but he did not. And it's very he, clear. You know, yeah. we don't battle against flesh and blood. Mm-mm. Right, we are not advancing the gospel through the power of the sword. This is not a, a force of man kind of thing, and uh, and so this is a spiritual matter. Yeah, and the kingdom is unseen. Mm. You know, we have the most visible elements of it are the local churches that are outposts yeah, of the kingdom of Christ. <laughs> That's the most lo- lo- love of right? love and neighbor is the most visible. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah Justin, so, I'll, I'll make I'll say one more thing. I know I keep saying that, but I have a ton of thoughts on this. Um, when Paul says God chose the weak things of this world, I'm reading uh, Donald Gray Barnhouse's book on the invisible war. And in there, he makes this amazing observation. Do you know whom? So we're, we're, we're at war with a demonic realm who's trying to keep us from spreading the gospel. And that being, according to Ezekiel and Isaiah, he was the most powerful, uh, most beautiful being God had ever created. Lucifer, right? This this cherub. And what's interesting is God is using, in man's eyes, a very weak and dysfunctional institution mm-hmm. called the church. And he makes his sinners, who are probably the bumblers, bamblers, and there's no strength in us, his ambassadors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's how he's accomplishing taking down the kingdom of darkness. It, you just look at it and you're like, this is so upside down. Yeah. And God says, yeah, this is how powerful my power is because the weakest part of my creation is the most powerful part. And that's where we can just step back and go, yeah, it's super dysfunctional. We fight a lot. The church is a mess, but yet the gospels keep going out. And so yeah. praise be to God for using dysfunctional people to do his work. And that's yeah. all I have to say. No, Amen. Praise be to the Lord for that indeed, that he uses broken vessels and he draws very straight lines with very crooked sticks. And uh, the, the gates of hell don't prevail against the church and even local churches. I know local churches shut down sometimes, but I am yeah. also astonished at how many even local churches endure, whether it's persecution or whether it's just division in their midst, um, mm-hmm. Shame and reproach that are brought upon it through the foolishness of some of their members, whatever. I mean, moral failures by pastors. I mean, you pick the thing, and yet local churches most often, you know, that the churches that preach the gospel, they endure, they keep going. And yeah. it's like, well, how does that happen? It's because 
the Lord is in it, and the Lord is the one that Amen. preserves his church. Amen, so, brother. all right, well, we're going to call that a Semper Reformanda episode. We're grateful to all of you out there who are listening, who have partnered with us. We pray and hope that this content is encouraging to you, not only this content here, but also Theocast You, and hope that you're on the app and encouraged by that as well. Avail yourselves of all of that and engage as you're able uh, as we try to help one another, even from a distance in some cases, uh, to, to live the Christian life and to trust in Christ and not look to our own righteousness in any way. So we look forward to having more conversations with you should the Lord tarry and give us life. And uh, I guess that'll happen next week. And if not, we'll be with the Lord Jesus. May we all be prepared to, to say every morning that we wake up, today could be the day. And Amen. may the Lord Jesus come. All right, we'll leave you with that. Peace. All right.